Hi everyone, it's Ray recording today, um, sharing from Galatians 3. Uh, by the way, it's good to be back from ATR. Um, I was just really blessed um, from this chapter um, where Paul is continuing his attack on uh, just a distortion of the gospel um, that some people troubled the Galatians with. All that's from chapter 1. And um, he's really trying to dismantle the distortion um, of the gospel that taught that acceptance uh, by God is really dependent not just on faith in Jesus, but you also have to adhere to the law, especially get circumcised. And uh, he's been trying to attack that uh, in chapters one and two. And now in chapter three, um, he's just continuing by, um, you know, in, in the first paragraph, uh, first couple of paragraphs, um, uh, he marshals evidence from Abraham's relationship with God in verses uh, seven to nine, um, going into um, just what made Abraham acceptable to God. It, it was not um, performance by works. Um, but it was actually just the fact that he believed. Um, and it's amazing uh, how Paul makes a direct link of the promise God gave to Abraham uh, in verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, as God promised in verse, uh, he says in verse 8, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Um, so Paul's, uh, he, he marshals evidence from Abraham's relationship. He also gives an analogy in verses uh, 15 to 18 um, about the uh, the law, um, about the promise not being annulled. Um, or in other words, a covenant can't be changed or added to once it's made. A covenant, or in other words, a promise. And he cites back to Abraham again, the promise God gave to Abraham that all the nations will be blessed. Um, that is a promise that is supposed to come to us. Um, just a quick pause here. Like, what is this promise? Um, what, what is this blessing that's from Abraham that's supposed to come to all of us? Um, Paul is referring to it uh, in the beginning of the chapter, um, as he says uh, in verse verses 2, um, he says, um, did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law or by hearing with faith like receiving the spirit what is that um ultimately he's talking about salvation um salvation uh, referred to by the word righteousness in verse six or also this idea of being justified um in verse 11 now it is evident that no one is justified before god by the law the law so this is a huge issue for paul and, and the early church like what does it take to be saved to be righteous to be justified before god and um so paul is as he's kind of trying to uh, chop away at this view that you have to also adhere to the law um he clarifies the role of the law because um, uh, he's attacking the law so much it could be seen people could think that Paul uh, thinks that there's no use for the law or that it's even contrary to uh, God's uh, aim that we be saved and so he actually addresses that uh, in the latter half of the chapter which is I think one of the more confusing parts in verse 21 he, he states the question that people might be asking in response to Paul's um, attack he says uh, is the law then contrary to the promises of God certainly not so Paul's saying no there is a purpose for the law and he uses this really interesting analogy that was really confusing to me at first, but uh, he, in verse 24, he starts talking about the law as our guardian. Um, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And so what is this guardian? Um, it, it was this uh, person that played a role in, in the ancient uh, culture, Greek, Greek culture, a person who was basically a pedagogue. Um, it was a person employed by wealthy Greeks uh, who was basically in charge of a, a child until the age of 16. And basically until that child reaches um, the sort of coming of age, that pedagogue was uh, totally in charge. Like he he, uh, he or she, I'm not sure, would be able to dictate the behavior, tell, teach right and wrong um, for that child and really had more authority than even the parent at times um, all the way until that child came of age. And so um, Paul is trying to say, no, the law had a purpose. The law um, was, was teaching us right and wrong. It had authority um, by God. But ultimately, when um, when Christ came, the law was no longer needed. And we would become not no longer under the guardianship of the law, but we would take our full place as sons and daughters, as as heirs. Um, and so it's, Paul just ends on this amazing new reality that we have in the gospel. That yeah, We don't need, I mean, the, the law that teaches us sin, the law that teaches us, um, you know, the, the corruption in our own hearts and, and all the ways that we fall short. I mean, that was a necessary step for us to understand um, what it takes to be right with God. It takes um, it takes punishment, it takes penalty, but that, rather than being paid by us, it was paid by Christ, as, as Paul says in verse 13, um, 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us uh, by hanging on the tree. And uh, the amazing outcome of all this is that we are no longer under the, the guardianship of the law, but we have become, uh, in verse 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. And um, so I was just thinking, how does this apply in my life? Um, and how does this apply in our, in our lives? Um, you know, the distortions of the gospel that threaten our church or even my own walk with God, uh, I, I realize that these tend not to be uh, add-ons of what it what's required for me to be right with God. Um, I don't know. In the world, I think the distortion of Christianity most predominant is, is ra rather than an add-on to the gospel, <clears throat> is more like a takeaway or a watering down of, of the gospel requirements. Like, like, I think it's a different issue that Paul may have to attack today. Um, the common understanding of Christianity is, I just have to believe that God exists and then I'm good with God. But no, like, I, I need to have faith in God. Faith, the robust understanding of faith as de demonstrated in Abraham's life is he left everything and followed followed after God into an unknown un, unknown land and threw his lot in with God. Um, but I was also thinking that um, just in Christian life, we, we do tend to have add-ons um, of what it takes for me to be right with God. And here, I think it really is um, just our old notions of what it, what it meant to be right with God. And, you know, that has often to do with how I do, how I perform, you know, as a student, how I perform in the church. We just import uh, all the notions of what it takes for me to be accepted, um, how I'm doing as a leader, how I'm doing as a member of this church, of what I'm, what project I'm tasked with, like what kind of how, I, how I'm doing on that. And I realized I need to constantly chip away at those old notions of what it takes for me to be right with God um, so that my joy and security in the amazing thing that Christ did on the cross, uh, that those don't have to be taken away and I won't be adding on to the gospel. So just really thankful for um, yeah, this passage and reminder of the amazing status that I now have in Christ as a son of God, simply because of what Jesus did on the cross. So that's my sharing for today. All right. Have a good day, guys. Bye.